Hello, Barbaros. Hello, Adam. How's it going? I'm okay. How are you? Why are you talking like that? It's just my monotone voice. You like it? No, I hate it. It's really annoying me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll change it for you, I guess. Are you doing that? Because were you mocking me? Were you like making fun of the way I talk? Oh. Because right. I've heard many times I have monotone voice. I think it's from like a movie or something like that or a TV show that I took it from. So You don't know which one? Uh, it escapes me in the, at the moment. Well, if you think of it, you can always go back to it and let me know. No, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, so for the lovely audience that is listening to this podcast, this is The Addict and the Counselor. You can find us at Spotify, Amazon Music Podcast, and uh, Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast. Yeah. And you can email us with any comments, feedback, suggestions, tips, if you want a controversy to be shared, um, send it our way. We'll, we'll incorporate it into the show. So you can email us at theaddictandthecounselor at gmail.com. All one word, theaddictandthecounselor at gmail.com. Um, so today, I think, is our episode, what, 22, I think, on the books? Episode 22, and I want to remind our listeners... If they're listening on Spotify, to feel free to comment on the episode and what they're what they thought of it. There's a section there to com for comments. I'd love to love to see some. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you you and I pay attention to some of the statistics, you know, that we get from Spotify as we do this podcast. But we we do have a diverse listening group, uh, people from different countries. Um, hit us up different kind of age brackets. So we're really appreciative uh, of all of our listeners, all the people who individually and collectively, you know, uh, let us know that they are listening. Um, it really does. I think, you know, for me, I know for you too, um, really make us feel good that, you know, this is an impact, right. And this is the reason why we started the show uh, right. you know, way back when. <clears throat> so March, March was it? No, it was earlier than that. I think it was like February. first Yeah. Yeah. What do you think our most in, What do you think our most interesting, um, you know, um, statistic is that we have from Spotify? I don't. Know. I, I just. I. I think the the country thing is is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, you know, obviously people can access it like anywhere yeah. in the world, and you know, there's probably you know, there's. I know there's. I, yeah, you know, for Turkey, I know that someone reached out to me so that they they do listen to the show and, and they get a lot of insight. They want to, um, they're in school. They want to specialize in you know like addiction therapy, uh, like mm. treatment and stuff like that. And so they 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 find some of our our, our banter, our conversation, you know, useful, beneficial. So, um, yeah, that's what we're kind of you know here for. We're here to have a good time and that's cool. Uh, that's you know, cool. put it out there. Um, nice. So yeah, episode twenty. 22, I mean. Double deuce. And, yep. And um, what do we have in store for this evening, Bob Rose? Well, I mean, there, there was, I think, 
two topics that you know we were kind of floating back and forth on and maybe we can have the audience you know take a vote on it but you know let us know you know depending on which one we cover today you know we'll do the opposite one um maybe you know following episode um but we were you know talking about the kind of you know for-profit you know drug treatment model um that's out there that has been out there um and we kind of talk you know deeper in terms of like our experiences on uh, you know for you like both fronts as a client and as a treatment provider and for me you know in in my experience uh there was a a a brief uh but period of time that you know i I did work for a you know for part you know for profit even startup treatment program and so like how like the business side of it ran and you know where it all kind of came from. So, um, and one, one, the other topic that, you know, we floated around is um, the, the inappropriate uh, relationships that get developed um, in drug treatment programs, let it be like romantically, sexually, financially. Oh, um, so it's like, you know, that, that stuff does happen. And we want to just kind of just talk about, you know, warning signs, what to look out for, what to ask about, um, you know, it's sadly it's out there. It really saddens me a, 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 as someone who you know really main, maintains boundaries. Um, yeah. and re- you know, really wants to make sure that I'm I'm purposeful in engaging you know with any form of clientele. Um, and so kind of cross those lines and those boundaries <laughs> are really saddening to me. Um, unfortunately, it it does happen. Um. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. There's there's a lot of meat on both of those bones, I'd say. (laughs) A lot of meat. Um, I don't think we could go wrong with that. With you know, whatever we choose, either you know, any one of them. Yeah. With both, both juicy, juicy meat on the bone. I, I think I'm saying this because I had pull, I pork chops tonight, so I have I have meat on meat, bone, meat on bone on the brain still. Yeah, that's that's why I'm like overusing the analogy. <laughs> Just thought of that. Like, why do I keep saying meat and bone? You know. Mm. Yeah. Well, I know why. Um, do you have preference on what we chat about? No. Not really. I mean, I think both of them are, you know, are, are things that I think some people probably have experienced or have read about in the news in some shape or form. Um, you know, there's some of that kind of, you know, myth storytelling that sometimes occurs in, in the treatment world and some of it is accurate and not. So I, I, I think both are more things that are, I think could be really beneficial for people, you know, listening yeah. You know, for their loved ones, you know, like what what to look out for, you know, what to what to ask questions about, in the, either aspect of it. Um, um, so, yeah, you don't have a preference. No, I mean, you know, that to a certain degree, they got kind of go hand in hand. It's like kind of like you know the, the gross part about the treatment world. Um, 
and how do we, you know, shine some light on it to, to again, yeah. to be purposeful, to be helpful when people are out there and, and they're desperate and they're needy and vulnerable, yeah. you know, even for families, you know, trying to put a loved one in treatment, you know, sometimes there can be yeah. a lot of things that kind of transpire and, uh, you know, just want to prevent, you know, some mistakes from happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's in your gut? What does your gut tell you? Besides pork chops, they're both, <laughs> they're both really sensitive topics. They both have the meat, a lot of meat on the bone. Like I said, mm-hmm. there's, I, I can get really, um, I can get really passionate about both of those topics. Mm-hmm. One, I can get a little bit more or maybe even a lot more amped up about than the other. Um, the one I would get more, be able to get more amped up about, or I have is the, the treatment, the, the treatment, um, you know, private for profit world and treatment world programs and all that stuff. I can get really amped up about that. The other, the other thing inappropriate, sexual relationships or boundary violations, um, significant one, significant boundary violations by providers with clients. Being on both sides, and you know, the, the client aspect, the client side more so, you know, very recently mm-hmm. in and out for the past over six years now. And then before that, working for a while in the field mm-hmm. and having some form of what I would consider really good boundaries when working in the field. Um, but as a client, being vulnerable, I'm dying for like, I'm looking for like relief. So as the client, I'm, hey, Someone, a staff wants to be inappropriate with me. Let's go, you know. So mm. it's a little different. It's a little different for me, you know, in that, you know, in that regard, I guess. So I can get really amped up for the first topic. The second one, this one, it's like, you know, with the boundary stuff. I, I, I won't. I can't. I don't think I can get. I don't think I can get so passionate or amped up about it because I'm so close to that other side you know if that mm. a little bit yeah yeah i mean maybe maybe we do the treatment side of it you know you know the for-profit you know model and structure uh and then we table the kind of the you know the boundary stuff uh you know uh for for a, a later uh show yeah all right works for me then all right um so let's maybe start off with the kind of explaining like the for-profit treatment world, you know, versus the non-profit treatment world. And I think, you know, if uh, anyone's listening and you're kind of jumped in like half stream, uh, Adam and I talk about, uh, I think the episode is called how we met uh, when we both worked at a non-profit treatment program. So we kind of, I try to do a good job describing the environment and, and really the difference uh, a, a little bit, but um you want you want to tackle that one just so people can get a sense of like 
No, I think you're 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 pretty fit to to give the descriptions of both, and I'll I'll butt in if I feel like I need something. Hey, do you mind? No, no, no. Of course. Um, so when we talk about nonprofit, you know, drug treatment centers, what they are generally is they do take most insurances, but the, usually the number one treat uh, health insurance provider is like state provided health insurance, right? And so those unfortunately reimburse very on the low end uh, compared to like other HMOs like Blue Cross Blue Shield and like Aetna and and things like that. Uh, These treatment programs are generally under um, under resourced. So financially they're usually struggling, you know, applying for like grant money or funding or donations and all these kinds of things. Um, understaffed sometimes because they pay usually on the low end of things because of their pay structure and their inability uh, to get like, you know, massive waves of, you know, money. Um, Not to say that the services suffer. Um, They just usually can't go outside of what their means are. And sometimes that could be, you know, feel limiting, uh, you know, for someone or, or, or family, like, you know, seeking care. Um, so the for-profit world, when we kind of talk about this, it, 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 you know, um, they're not struggling financially. They usually have a, a number of investors uh, who are looking to, you know, make money, but also provide good care. I, I don't want to escape that reality. Um, that will usually lean... Um, mostly into like health uh, health management uh, insurances like your blue cross blue shield stuff like that um because they will reimburse you know treatment stays at a higher level which means that the company can then make more money but then also like pay clinicians more have more like adjunctive services <clears throat> there's a little caveat to this is that uh there are some for-profit treatment providers that go after what is called out-of-network benefits. Um, most insurance companies nowadays are cutting back on what out-of-network funding is or uh, services are. But what that means is that like, if you have out-of-network benefits for your insurance carrier, especially for the drug treatment world, and you call a provider uh, and they run your insurance and like, oh, you have out-of-network benefits, you know, we can accept you. Well, what they do and what they can do is charge an exorbitant amount of money for a, a typical treatment state, let it be a detox or a 30 day residential, or even like an IOP, uh, a really high end, really absorbing that dollar amount of the out of network uh, benefits. So let's say you had $15,000 for the year of out of network benefits for treatment. They'll most likely keep you in treatment um, and absorb a lot of that funding. Um, because they'll just, you know, uh, they'll charge the insurance and the insurances, you know, will pay for it. That's what kind of auto network is because there's, there's relatively no, no financial limitation, you know, with it all. Um, there's a caveat that especially with where I'm working currently, there I, I forget what the term of it is called, but it's something about like knowledge of like up upfront charges about what we're charging the insurance companies 
And so it's a document that we tell clients who are coming seeking services that this is what we're charging your insurance for, like individual therapy or, uh, you know, 60 minute sessions, 30 minute sessions, stuff like that. Um, I forget, you know, where it comes out of. I'm not, I don't think it's just a New Jersey thing. I think it's a national thing. Uh, it might have yeah. been actually Biden who put that into law, uh, saying that you have to inform people of what you're charging them for what services. Um, yeah. Um, so hopefully I made it as good of an explanation about like what we're about to kind of get into in today's conversation. Yeah, that was great. Very good. Hello. All right. Um, just so for the audience, uh, there's a little bit of a technical glitch. Uh, so if there's a little bit of a gap in between things, you, you know, where it's coming from, but, uh, what we're talking about is kind of the for-profit description model, particularly around insurances, uh, and again, we're not talking the kind of like the extremely wealthy high end, you know, thirty thousand dollar, you know, tr- you know, treatment world. Um, th- those are people that Adam and I don't know, uh, <laughs> and and won't ever uh, treat. Um, so yeah, is there anything that you wanted to kind of add to the difference between for profit, non profit? No, I think that you did a fabulous job explaining it in detail so people can understand the difference. I think that, you know, just one of the things that I just, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about both thinking about what it was like working in nonprofit and what it was like working in private for-profit. And it's very like one of the major differences for like for a worker and it feels like the nonprofit because you're so the programs are so under resourced is one of the reasons why the worker just is drained, you know, running around always like, yeah, always like something going on, always trying to, to fix something always trying to, you know, fix something that, you know, there's no, there's very little like planning, I guess, or um, it's more, it, it always felt like we were caught off guard with a bunch of stuff to clean up, you know, I don't know. Um, but private for profit, it didn't really feel that way to me. It feel it felt like, things were you kind of knew I didn't have to I didn't have to run around as much fixing shit in the private profit I guess that's a way I can put it I'm having trouble describing it but I think I think you know what I'm what I mean yeah Yeah, and I I think I will explain for people who like who who may have worked in the field or, or or have received treatment is in the nonprofit world generally you know like one person's wearing like three to five different hats, maybe even more. So they might be doing intakes and groups and individual and discharging people and, you know, uh, disciplining and writing people up and monitoring all kinds of, you know, drug testing. So it's extremely exhausted because it's underserved and under-resourced and underfunded and understaffed, a lot of unders. With the profit world, because of, of the financial backing and the support, they really have multiple people in like one 
position so that that position only does that position. So if you're a group therapist in a for-profit treatment world, generally you're not doing individual therapy or you're not doing intakes. Uh, there's an intake department, there's a discharge department, there's a outreach department. Um, you know, everyone has almost like an identified role. So it's a little more organized in that sense of it. Um, again, unfortunately, or fortunately, it's that, it's that financial aspect of it that allows for that to happen. Um, I, 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 a couple of like caveats that I want to just express, like you and I, especially working in, in, in Danvers, um, again, you know, not for profit, you know, state funded, you know, you know, Massachusetts, Medicaid, mass health, you know, you know, high volume clientele, people got sober there. You know, uh, so I, I think there's this notion that you go to some like high end for profit drug treatment world and that allows for recovery to be instilled. Uh, and, you know, I, I want to emphasize that's not the case. And that's the, you know, um, people who seek treatment, who enter treatment, it, it's what you make out of it. So it doesn't matter where you're sleeping or where you're getting the care from. If you're there for the right reason you're, and you're listening and you're taking information in, um, you know, people got clean. People, people in that Danvers, you know, experience and other places, um, really changed our lives. You know, for the better. Uh, you know, productive members of society back with their families, uh, partners, children, etc. Uh, so it's not just you know, uh, <clears throat> you know, the other world, the for profit that it, because you get to sleep in a comfy bed with a, you know, nice mattress and you know, fancy shampoos that that will allow someone Enjoy to... Enjoy a TV in your room, too. What's that? Usually a TV in your room, too, now. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sure a, lo a I, lot of you know, different I things. Think, yeah, and I've said this, or I think when we first started this podcast, I, I think I commented on this, is that for for work, like, I I prefer working in, in non-profit, non-profit world, because... I'm serving an underserved population, right? Mm. Um, and private for profit, I'm I'm dealing. You're as a worker, you're dealing more with some like level. There seems to be a level of more entitlement or something that that's you know that you pick up from that population although you know but i'm being very generalized even though it's probably not you know it's not um a great thing to to say but just entitlement as a personality trait in that population i guess mm -hmm. and so when i'm a client though like when i'm struggling when i've struggled in the past and want to go to treatment I want to go to the private for profit. I want to go somewhere where I wouldn't want to work. Isn't that weird? Mm. Interesting. Is an interesting difference. Hmm. Yeah. So I've been. So I've as a client when I first started relapsing. I don't know. I I don't know why I was going to some of the nonprofits, but I think. You know, when I initially started relapsing six years ago, I, I was going into some of the nonprofits for a little while. And I had 
I had good insurance that would that where I could go to oh private. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was going to a nonprofit, I believe, because I just had connections in that world. So mm-hmm. they were easily, you know, it was easy for me to reach out for, you know, a connection or support from mm-hmm. like someone, you know, that I just know that's high up in a nonprofit or I know more people in that world. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I was doing it. But as time went on and I continued to, to fuck up, um, I continued relapsing. I, I started going to a private for profit, you know, um, and I would never, you know, if I have insurance that will authorize a, a private for profit, I'm going to always choose that as a client. Okay. That's... If, I don't have, if I don't have good, you know, insurance that they'll accept and I have like, you know, state insurance or something, then mm-hmm. I'm gonna be forced to go to nonprofit and accept that. <clears throat> find recovery there too because you can i'm not saying that there isn't recovery in nonprofit i believe that there is because i mean why else would i work for nonprofits or prefer working there if i didn't believe in that you know Mm. i just i just want i want some comfort too and i'm not necessarily getting that like you mentioned the comfort piece at the nonprofit yeah yeah, because it's, it's they can't afford it. They they can't afford right. that, the luxuries. Even the place that you know we worked at in Danvers, in the kind of the, the middle area where there was like two vending machines, you know, enclosed in kind of you know glass, and then there was two the doors fishbowl? on the side. The fishbowl, the fishbowl, huh? The fishbowl is that what we called it, right? I forget fishbowl. what the name of it was called. Um, called it, but the the TV that was there was donated by a family whose uh, child came to the treatment program. I'm not sure if they got better or uh, yeah. didn't or something like that, but that flat screen TV was a donation. Like that would have never happened. Like, you yeah. know, if, the, if the, you know, the program itself couldn't yeah. have come up with the funds. I mean, we're talking, you know, back then like yeah. five, $700 for a TV right. to come out of the budget. Oh yeah. I forgot about that, but that was donated. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's wild that like, that was a big to do getting that donated, having that donated, right? Yeah. To do. uh, and you have the you have private for profits that have if there's if if you're in two man room two person rooms, a double room, each person has their own TV in a lot of these places. <laughs> so you can have two TVs going at once. <laughs> <laughs> so that sounds very it's not, it's not like it's not like they're saying, here's one TV, you guys figure it out. No, each person gets their individualized TV. <laughs> yeah. um, the things that also like, you know, for our audience, again, who, you know, whose family members, if you're searching for treatment and whatnot, right, where do we go? We go to Google, right? And you Google, you know, drug treatment program, you know, North Shore, right? Oh. And like North Shore, Massachusetts, right? And the, the first page, if not half the page, is going to be for-profit drug treatment world that advertise that we're in your community. And yeah. some of them might be in Massachusetts. Some might be kind of in, in neighboring states. But some of these companies who advertise in-state don't have a single treatment provider in that state. But what they'll do is 
again, especially if you have the good insurance, right? The out of networks and, and the high end, you know, uh, insurance carriers. Uh, if it, if if it's approved and they'll do all that stuff for you, um, they can help relocate you uh, for X amount of time in, in a in a treatment facility in Florida, uh, Texas, California, even other parts of this you know uh, the state. So I have some thoughts about that that you know I'll share. Yeah. I mean, when I'm when I'm going to when, when I'm going to treatment, the pri- the private for profit will send will pick me up. They'll send an Uber for me, no matter where I like I've I've witnessed I've seen a million times clients getting Ubered from Connecticut to program in mass or from Jersey Ubered to mass. And then there's other, you have other for profits that will pay for flights for clients to to get to their programs. Yeah. 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 So if you think about that, right, is that like, again, if, if again, look, I, th- I think we typically kind of bash Florida. Uh, there's a lot of drug treatment programs uh, in, in Florida. They advertise in the Northeast, especially in the winter where, right, um, you know, you can leave the state, you can leave the vicinity, get warm um, to, you know, to a warm state. Um, mm. You know, with them paying wow, the treatment program, wow. paying out of pocket. Yeah. For the airplane ride, right, to and fro, that think about how much money that they're making off of that person's stay, right? Yeah. So it's the flight's a drop in the bu- a dime in the bucket. It's nothing. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know you know again for for people out there not not to you know bash anybody. I mean again any one of it works. It's just be, really being mindful of kind of. Uh, what you're searching, who you're talking to, where they're actually located versus kind of where they're advertising. Um, I get asking questions about length of stay. You know, what am I being charged for services? Um, you know, things like so that. that. Yeah, that's an that's a big issue around here. Is what what the um, the treatment program is is um, getting reimbursed for by the insurance. Um, and we haven't talked a lot about, we've been sticking with like, with this conversation, mostly inpatient, um, mm. but partial hospitalization programs are everywhere now, right? There's a million of them popping up. Yeah. PPs, they call PHBs, them for short, right? PC, yeah. even PCPs, partial care programs. Yeah. IOPs, which is step down from PHP. And they're all, they're all, the the big difference between PHP and IOP is typically just a shorter stay or less hours, less hours week. per day per week. Yeah, That's, thank you. Um, and so with PHPs, I think there's um, there's a bigger issue with the re with the with insurance reimbursement stuff, whereas a lot of PHPs have sober living sober houses attached to the php and like in this in in our state in massachusetts you know where the department of public health they run a pretty tight ship when you compare um state regulations for substance abuse when you compare it to the rest of the country massachusetts has more of a structured um 
you know, way of doing stuff within their Department of Public Health system. Mm-hmm. So, a mon- you know, that's more structured way of monitoring um, treatment programs. And so with PHPs, they have a lot of um, sober livings attached to them, which end up being like the feeder to their, you know, their pH, their, the client is looking for outpatient treatment and they're sending them to their sober house that's attached to it. And they're not a lot of these PHPs. So the client will ask, Oh, how much for the sober house? And they'll, the provider will say something like, Oh, don't worry about that. You don't have to pay as long as you're in PHP and IOP. Well, why the fuck is that? Why is that? I know, you know why, Barbaros? <laughs> because they're taking a partial of the, a part of the reimbursement from the insurance and putting it towards the sober living piece, which is illegal to do in this state. Yeah, sober living. Sober living is not in our treatment continuum. It's not a part of treatment. Insurance companies does not, they do not view sober living as treatment. And neither does the state of Massachusetts view sober living as, as part of treatment. Yeah. So insurance money is supposed to be for treatment only. For they're only authorizing treatment, they not sober living. But the PhD program is still licensed. sending money that way or you know, using that for those funds. Yeah. I think to kind of like dive deeper into it, right, is, you know, unfortunately, you know, you know, the biggest problem here is the insurance carriers themselves that they've created this monster. Uh, and, and why I say that. So when someone has a extensive history of drug addiction, and they need the most intensive care, right? And so it's inpatient detox. Well, insurance companies also dictate how long a person stays, right? The, you know, the provider can kind of like appeal certain decisions, but it's usually pretty standard five days, seven days. You might be able to go, you know, more or less on either end of the spectrum. And so what insurance companies, unfortunately, what they've done is like, oh, like you're sober enough that you don't need 24-hour monitoring and so, oh, there's a, another program on an outpatient level where you get to go home or to a home. Mm. And then you go to this program for four or five hours a day of like individual group therapy and other kind of like therapies four to five times a week. So you're talking about 19 to plus hours a week of like intensive treatment. That's why they call it partial care because it, it, it mimics an inpatient stay without the overnight residents right and so once again insurance companies they don't like to pay for phps longer than for like a week or two or maybe even a month max i've never heard it even going up to a month and and so programs what they do is like oh i'll i'll take the two weeks of partial care reimbursement because it's four hours a day of treatment five days a week it's a lot of money I'll then yeah. drop this person down to then IOP, which is generally three to four hour, hours a day. So it's less hours per day, right. uh, you know, sometimes three to four times a week. So they've yeah. created this monster of like, instead of providing good care to the individual and again, treatment providers themselves, 
providing good care and, and seeing the growth and benefit to the client is coming up with like appropriate treatment plans um, so that, you know, less intensity means generally, or it should mean you're doing better. So you need less attention, less eyes on you, less time in, in treatment. Um, and so what's got created is that when people have long histories, they usually don't have a place to stay or family won't let them stay somewhere. And so partial care is like, wow, we can absorb so much money in a two week span. We can literally pay for an apartment with multiple people for yeah. free because we're getting so much money from the insurance. Yeah. Uh, and clients love that. And you already, so now you have the client in, in PHP and IOP, right? They have a living environment, right? That they're not paying for. And then two months goes by of like the PHP and then step down to IOP. And by that time they're going, they're getting a job. And then once they're, you know, now they're not getting re the program is not getting reimbursement from them being in treatment anymore, but they still want to live at the sober living because they're already hooked in initially for living there for free when they shouldn't have been right. And because they're already hooked in, they get, they're starting to work and now they're going to be paying their way, you know? So there's a transition that happens too, Yeah. you know, when they're done with the, the PHP or I, when they're done with IOP, they they're in sober living. They end up staying there because now they have a job and they can pay for it. Yeah. So, so for people to understand, like I mean, what we're talking about is, you know, with the PHP level to the IOP again, because it's all reimbursement based, we're talking usually about a, like a, a, a two to three, maybe a four month period. And what Adam is saying is that because they're already entrenched and now they're sober, right. For the, maybe the first time in a long time, you know, three, two, three months consecutively, it's enticing to be like, Hey, like this is working for you. Like, why would you want to break that? Right. Why would you want to leave this sober living environment and support system and go back to where you came from and then like repeat the cycle. Right. Uh, the provider already said in the hook, you know, the hook of living rent free because of the, the PHP. That's the hook, you know, they, they're already, already there. Like you're saying. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, so the struggle then becomes is that like, you know, you know, is it really an autonomous choice <laughs> of what, you know, the the proper care they're receiving uh, and how much of it, you know, are they or, you know, whoever, you know, the insurance, you know, the primary in insured person is. The system is so fucked up right now. It's probably the worst that it's ever been as far as money hungry, um, you know, people that are opening up programs every which way, you know, um, it's just, it's just, some of it is just sickening and yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Bob Rose. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I, saw, I, I saw, I saw like one example that I got so fired up for a while back, right. About a, within the past couple of years, I don't want to, I'm not here to throw any programs under the bus or anything yeah. like that. You know, not doing that. I promised myself I wouldn't if we were going to have this discussion. Not here to do that. Just, you know, just not going to mention any names. And if you see me going in that direction, Bobros, hang up on me or whatever you get to fucking do. Um, I'll mute but, you. <laughs> whatever. Edit it out or something. Or don't. I don't know. But anyway, I'll just lose a bunch of people that, you know, like me up until now, probably. So... <laughs> 
Um, I snorted too just now. Little <laughs> baby. Um, did you hear that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so within the past couple of years, I witnessed uh, a house manager at a sober house, right? A director of sober house. And this was not just any sober house. It was actually... It was actually funded through a nonprofit organization, okay? Which there is not a lot of those types of sober houses out there, okay? Regardless, director was getting paid to be in the role at the sober house. Um, There was a young first-time client coming, person coming into sober living. Um, The sober living had um, PHP that they were they were feed the sober house was feeding the PHP with clients, although they weren't affiliated. Okay. But they had a connection, you know what I mean? Yeah. And first time person comes in, client comes into the sober house and the dad, this client's dad wants his son into, in a PHP. Okay. The director tells dad that, his insurance that the PHP does not is not covered by his insurance. So he has to self pay. Think about that. Mm. The PHP that I'm, if I'm the director the PHP that I'm trying to get this kid in, right. I'm saying, no, you're not cover that PHP. He has good insurance, by the way, just didn't, didn't cover that PHP. And so you have to self pay. What does that sound like right there? That is manipulative and as unethical as you can fucking get. One of uh, an extreme example of unethical behavior by provider. Because now, guess what dad did, whose money isn't even a thing for him, right? The dad, wealthy as fuck, right? Dad pays the $30,000 or whatever, like a ton of money a boatload of money, cash, for this his son to get treatment at the PHP that the sober house director said he had to go, you know, that that he had to pay cash for. No, you know what? You know what you can do as an ethical provider? You say, let me look into PHPs that do accept your insurance so you don't have to dish out 30 fucking thousand, Okay. That is that is an example of what go, what is going on out there. Am I getting heated up yet, Barbaros? Am I getting passionate about this shit? You're very, huh? you're very intense. Your blood pressure is very intense right now. You know what I I spent don't two have weeks. Aneurysm on air. <laughs> I spent two weeks, Barbaros, trying to talk that client into calling the complaint grievance line for the state. Okay, <laughs> I was so bullshit. And he just wouldn't, you know, he just wouldn't do it. You know, he's a 20 year old kid. Dad's paying for whatever, you know, he thought he felt he had feelings about it, but not as strong as me. Right. Not as strong of feelings as I was. I'm having still around it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he didn't fall through and he didn't have his dad call or anything like that. But that is just it, stuff like that makes me want to throw up all over the place. Really? Yeah. Imagine it's, that. What do you think about that story? Well, I mean, it's it, it's that's I think the reason why we're having this conversation. It's it's right. the thickness in the field, and I mean, 
our field, addiction is not immune to it. Like other fields have it too. Imagine strong, I can't, I know I keep bringing it up, but imagine strong arming a parent whose kid is on the brink of death that you need to shove out this money. There's no other, you're basically lying, you're lying to dad. So you get some, a a good kickback for the referral to that program. Well, so that's the thing too, right? Is that, you know, the the other layer is that they're, again, financially pure and financially insecure families who will you know remortgage a house they will t- cash out their 401ks because of this type of conversation i think there's a reason why we want to have this conversation is that if you have health insurance some shape or form your insurance carrier covers all forms of treatment not the sober these because it's not recognized but not treatment. Right. they 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 cover an inpatient detox they actually might cover a 30-day residential they absolutely cover a, a few days weeks of a partial uh hospitalization to php partial care yeah. program they cover yeah. iop they cover op they cover therapy like me like what i do you know so i, I think Barbara, you know, i'm Barbara, i Another story, okay? Well, I mean, story you go on story. stories. And I, don't, I don't think it's going to be helpful. I think that's... No, I think it is. We, we, what we have to do is... Listen. Like, what are you going to... What, what is the audience going to do when you have... A, you're desperate and you're out there or you have a family member who's... Listen, I, gave, I just gave a story. I just gave a story of, um, you know, someone hears this. They know... Ex- that could easily happen, the story that I... Gave that happens all the time. That type of pressuring yeah. family to scoop out big money. Well, so saying, you, so you, you know what? They, they now they now know what of you that. Ask, what questions you need? You to know, will you let me talk, please? No. Come on. No, you keep you... trying to talk fucking over me. No. Let me fucking talk. No. You're what do you mean? No. You're you're fired up. You're just gonna go on story after story. Listen, listen to this one, and then I'll, I'll cut it out. And the two good examples, okay? Patient brokering, okay? This, I'm sitting at the table um, of a sober house with this client, right? And, you know, I'm living in the sober house too. And the client says, tells me this story of he was in treatment in Florida, right? Florida, some Florida worker sent him to a private program in May. And this worker gave this client $3,000 to go to the program in Massachusetts because the worker in Florida got a big kickback for the referral. Mm-hmm. Fucked. Fucked the system with that stuff. Yeah. Maybe so, we shouldn't have even had this discussion because I'm all <laughs> wired up now. Yes, <laughs> I need to like take a hit of this vape or something. Hold on. I don't think <laughs> you stopped vaping since the whole episode. So why would you stop now? <laughs> what do you think about that? What's your take on that? Well, huh, obviously, it's 100% illegal. Um, and sadly, you know, I think historically, right, this, this whole trend of the for-profit health insurance out-of-network stuff, it's not a new thing, but like we're, we're becoming more and more knowledge of it all. But one of the things that Adam is talking about, like client brokering, is that treatment programs across states, across regions will have these like sick relationships and financial uh, relationships that if if you're a detox, 
you send me all of the out of network Blue Cross Blue Shield clients. And if you do so, I can give you one, two, three, five hundred dollars per client to your pocket, you know, uh, for those types of referrals. Uh, and people will do that from like detox to sober house, sober house to PHP, PHP to IOP. Like it, it's become, you know, that where clients are not treated as like sick individuals who need compassion and care. They're looked at as dollar signs that I absorb X amount of dollar signs. I send you to my buddy who's going to then absorb more dollar signs from you and your health insurance company. And then when everyone is zapped out and you're better, you're off on your own and, and, and you take care of that way. And that's why I wanted to interject is that this stuff is happening literally right this second. It states, I think our caution to our audience, again, for-profit, non-profit, you need to ask very specific questions. What's your client to staff ratio? Will my son have the same counselor his entire stay? Um, how many nurses are on, um, you know, what are the charges? Again, if it's a detox and they're making referrals to a partial hospitalization and you only see like one PHP, that's a huge red flag. Everyone should have at least three options of other treatment providers that they make a referral to. And that's, you know, usually a few people's jobs to do so. So when you're being stepped down from like an intense like inpatient stay to like an outpatient stay and they're only giving you one option, that's a huge red flag in my eyes. And you need to kind of stop right there and call your insurance company and then ask questions about like, again, what's in network or even out of network for like partial hospitalization programs, PHP um, or, or um, partial care programs. So you should always have more than one option when, uh, you're being stepped down or being referred to another provider, even therapist. If you're, if one person's only giving one therapist, it's usually a therapist they know. And so that, that, that's, that's not right. They should have more than one option. Uh, you should have at least ask for three options for any level of care. Um, and ask questions about like, how much am I being charged, you know, for this and what, what are my costs, you know, for this. Right. So like, uh, co-insurance or deductibles and things like that. It, it, it's, I, even for me, it's very, very tricky to kind of understand, but um, you don't want to get duped and you don't want your loved one or yourself to be monetized. And that's what's kind of happened in the for-profit world uh, to a, a, a sick degree. It's not everyone, unfortunately, um, but it's kind of given the whole thing a, a, a bad rap. Um, that's why for me personally, and this is another reason, this is another reason why I, why I will only, you know, I, I, my preference is working for nonprofit because the, the ethics, the ethics are just a lot better at the nonprofit level, you know? Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, again, there, there, you know, there's things that happen in, you know, nonprofits. Not and I do not want to, you know, and I, you know, I, I, I do not want to people to think that, you know, it's across the board. Every private for profit does major unethical, you know, behavior business. Um, Cause not every private for profit does that. I'm just saying a lot do more than ever at this very moment. So you know? I, I was, um, I was going to say um, 
as someone who's done this work for like over 21 years now and, you know, and I've had treatment providers from other states come to me being like, oh, you know, if you have X amount of clients, you know, we'll take them, blah, 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 put them on an airplane. I'm like, I'm a big believer um, of staying in state. It might be a different part of the state for treatment. It might be whatever. My only idea of like out of state treatment providers is that if you generally believe that you're going to relocate and stay relocated, because again, like parents, I've heard parents say this, Oh, you know, is there an environment I want to like take them away from like Jersey and like send them to Florida or Georgia or whatever, you know, get their head straight. But then, okay, that's great. They're going to get great care, but they're going to come right back to the intense period where they obviously cannot manage or they've proved they can't manage it. Why not find a really good, ethical, uh, appropriate uh, treatment modality, program, agency that's going to be able to teach your loved one how to manage sobriety or recovery or whatever in the environment that they're going to school, work, uh, all that kind of stuff. And so I'm not a big believer on sending anyone out of states. Um, there's a lot of great treatment programs in literally every single state. Again, different costs, different things, but stay in state unless you feel like, hey, I've exhausted everything in Jersey or Mass or whatever, and I need a fresh start. I'm never coming back. I'm going to go. And I know you and I have talked about this. I know at least two people, um, you know, developed addictions in the Northeast and have relocated to Florida and have remained in Florida and have like grown roots in Florida. And so that's a different thing. Uh, So I I would caution people and and families to like automatically like jump ship and leave state because it's so chaotic, you know, wherever you live. First of all, it's chaotic wherever you go. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, um, it doesn't mean it's automatically better. Uh, but really think about like doing like better research and like, you know, you know, I asked my wife this a couple of weeks ago, like how many times have you Googled something and you've actually gone to page two of Google? Like no one does that. No one does that. We Google something, the first five responses, maybe you might go through a few of them and you have your answer and you move on with the rest of your day. Really do some due diligence. And, um, if you also use, uh, like government issued like websites like uh, SAMHSA, S-A-M-H-S-A dot gov or NIDA, N-I-D-A dot gov. Um, there are National drug addiction. Yeah. yeah, that there are treatment locators, you know, that way that might be able to help, you know, navigate that because, you know, they're, they're state licensed, you know, board certified, you know, things of that nature. So um, just, you know, do your due diligence, you know, do your research. Uh, don't take the first answer as a, a definitive yes um, and give yourself options. So like three options for detox, three options for IOP, three options for sober houses. And then you pick and choose, you know, which one is, is going to really benefit you. And just be cautious if like someone is forcing you to choose one over another, because there's probably, you know, money being, um, you know, money is probably the factor why you're being pushed into a certain direction. Have you calmed down yet? Are you ready for me to speak? Have you calmed down yet? I think so. Okay. I've over plenty of times that I think so, and I really haven't. If you if you not calm down, then I'm I'm going to mute you for real this time. I think I'm all right. 
All right, go for it. So Bob Rose, thank you. So Bob Rose, um, when I first got into the field and oat, <laughs> I, I, I literally feel my heart racing. <laughs> oh my God. Dude. So not time. Keep going. Dude, good topic. You're gonna cause you're gonna cause me to die of a heart attack. <laughs> At least I'll be clean, right? That's right. <laughs> oh my god. When I first got into the field in O2, I remember clients coming into the Danvers treatment center where we both worked, saying to me. Yeah, I got this guy, and a lot of clients would tell me this. I get this guy that will pay me such and such money to go to treatment in Florida. To go, they'll gonna give me this if I stay for this amount of time in California. You know, it's a form of patient brokering that was going on a ton in those two states, Florida and California. Mm -hmm. That Massachusetts didn't, to my knowledge, very little to none. Okay, and during that period of time, but Florida and California was big with it, and then somewhere along the line, stuff started to change in mass in the treatment world, yeah. right? And it feels like overnight now we are just another Florida and California, two thousand two, circa. <laughs> what happened? Do you could you have any insight into into that? that transition that happened? Oh, you know, the, the transition really just happened is people really looking at the regulations and finding loopholes. That's exactly what happened. That's all it is. And the, again, the insurance companies so, and, you know, for each state, right? So Blue Cross Blue Shield, that's national, operates yeah. differently in each state. But yeah, once... I got my own fucking thoughts on it. So you didn't really say what I was looking for, but whatever. <laughs> But I mean, that's, that's the reality of it. That's, you know, people found loopholes and be like, well, let, me see if I can just... say, let me see if I can say this in a diplomatic way. Okay. You think I can? You think I can do it? I don't think you can, but go for it. All right. <clears throat> there was some, at some point, don't know what year, but a few years back, there started to be more of a trend of people that were newly sober, just getting clean, like I'm talking first, second year in recovery, that's new in my mind, mm -hmm. having these ideas to open up or feeling motivated to open up treatment programs. No. Now, you have young people, you know, fairly young people, or help out, you know, help addiction stuff, right? Help yeah. out people get clean. And they have these, and they start opening up these programs and you have early recovery. You have, with that is impulsivity. You still have all, like a lot of your stuff, right? That you're, you know, you're just getting clean. You still have a lot of your, your stuff, right? That you got to work through. And throughout you know, during the, the, you know, the, the, during the opening of these programs, they, it may have started with, I want to help people, but shortly thereafter, 
their manipulative addict behavior sets in because they're still mm-hmm. new in recovery and they're finding the loophole to be able to make extra money. And I feel like that's something there. Yeah or no? You don't buy into any of that? I, I mean, I, I, I think that's it, not a good, that's not a good theory. You don't think, I mean, I don't it's, know. A, it's a theory, but I, I, I think you're, you don't buy into any of that. You don't believe any of that. What I just said, you don't right. think there's anything to Are truth. To me? Are you listening? Do you think that listen? I've lived it here. I've lived I, this. Okay, I understand it, but you're, 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 you're. When we were, hey, when let me finish too, because I wasn't done. Oh God, of course not. <laughs> and when we started, when we were in treat, when we were working in treatment in the early two thousands, and that's this stuff wasn't going on. Guess what? The owners of treatment programs were not early recovery recovering addicts they were not they were professionals they had degrees they may have been in long-term recovery five plus years most of them even longer than that i would say if they were even in recovery okay um so that's a big difference dude again i i I think you're coloring it in a very broad stroke Uh, again you have something to you you definitely have something there for for me. I, I what, think, wait, what did you say? Which part? The part where you said, <laughs> "Yeah, I think you have something there." That <laughs> it's mo- it's money. Like to start a a drug treatment program, it's no joke. It's not like you have ten thousand dollars in your bank account. Like I'm going to be a, a a nice good do gooder, and I'm going to do this. It costs thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars. Yeah. And you know what else does, Bavros? My fucking addiction. And you know what these what what people new in recovery still have is manipulative ways to get money. We still have that early in recovery. You can't sit there and just say like all these these for profit drug treat programs are started by people in recovery that is nearly impossible when we're talking about the sheer number of programs out there that's why i'm saying you're 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 let coloring me tell you, broad let me tell you that in in the state that i live in right now okay i will tell you that and i know this i just know this for fact okay that and i don't I don't have an exact percentage, but I will say definitely over 60% without a shadow of a doubt, the new programs that are popping up uh, from people that are in early recovery, okay, that are opening these programs in this state, okay? okay? It's a a lot of money and time to go through the credentialing process and licensure process and, you know, building infrastructure, all that kind of stuff. It takes a lot of money, so... You know, you know that's why the the financial backing of it for me is extremely powerful. Like once you can like have let's say half a million dollars in an account to do all the stuff, then yes, unfortunately that with the insurance billing and all that kind of stuff, you can make that in a very short period of time. Um, you know, again, and then it calls for like unethical, illegal means, like you know, covertly. Uh, to, to make that money and then, and then some. So um, 
again, that's why we want to talk about the subject matter because it's happening right now. Why? Because you want me to have a heart attack? Is that why? No, I don't want you to have a heart attack. But you, I mean, you and I are knowledgeable about it on on many different fronts of it. And so I wish I I wish I wasn't. I wish I, I really wish I well, wasn't. You know, so ignorance is bliss, isn't it? I, I get so fired up about this I, shit. Knowing time, be informed because of what I because of my knowledge oh, I, of. Uh, because of just you know working in the field right yeah. and you know in multiple um you know multiple um positions i, I i'm the person like if something i see something happening like i will talk to that client as if i'm you know <laughs> their worker from like outreach or something saying listen this is what you have to do you have to call the you know the the grievance hotline i'll write down the number for them like i will go above and beyond to have the if i if i see a client right violation which is way up by the way this for the past six months at least um and if i see something i'm like i'm like prompting that person to like reach out to the state you know Oh, I mean, you, you you care that much. I mean, you you know that like when when good treatment, regardless of where the funding source is, is that good treatment supersedes anything. Yeah. So I had a I I had um I had someone who's been around for a while. This is another story. The person said Third to story. me, the person the person used to say. Even he used the person used to say. They used to say back in the day, any treatment is better than, poor treatment is better than no treatment. Mm. The person recently said to me last week, "You know what, Adam? I've changed my mind on that and what I've been seeing for the past few years." The person says, "You know what? No treatment." is better than the treatment that I've been seeing is what the person said. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Very sad. Very sad. So, um, let's transition. I mean, again, it's, it's a very sad subject and that's why we want to bring some you know light to it. Um, I'm not done with this, Barbara. I'm not done with that. Uh, we can do, we can do uh, episode two of the sequel. <laughs> Uh, of this, I mean, hey, I, no, I want to say a few. I want to reiterate a few things. Oh God! Before we, before we transition to, you know, controversies. All right, floors. Positive, positive controversies. Before we transition, before I do the famous transition music, mm-hmm. right? I want to. I want to just say, <laughs> my heart again. My heart is speeding up. I want to just say that. Not everyone that, you know, that, that works in private for profit is unethical. There are extremely ethical people that work in private for profit. I've witnessed it. I've participated in, you know, good care from private for profit programs. Excellent care in some ways. Right. I've also observed unethical stuff, too. Um, I. You know, I made some, you know, things that I said about, you know, when I'm talking about, um, you know, I believe people that are newly clean or in that are opening up um, new programs, 
initially want to do good. They want to help out. And along the lines, mm-hmm. you know, along, along the way, because of their early recovery or whatnot, greed gets in the way somehow. Okay. They're just, you know, just happens that way. It's happening a lot that way for whatever reason. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's, you know, I just want to, I just want to say that there, <laughs> I just want to, you know, make sure I'm clear with stuff. Not everyone is this, not everyone is that, but there's a lot of fucking shit going on uh, right now. And that, money, uh, money grubbing addiction shit. Well, that, I mean, that's why I it's said like earlier. Street, it's like street shit. It's that's like why I said street. earlier is that the addiction world is not immune to like other types of businesses, right? There's awful doctors who will upcharge a lot of your medical services, lawyers who do unethical things. Um, you know, our field, the healthcare field, you know, addiction therapy, mental health, whatever. It's it's there it's, uh, there too. I think our responsibility, I, I think, for you and I with the show, is just to bring attention to it so that you don't get duped, you don't get suckered into something that you're you know half knowledgeable about. Um, just, you know, ask questions and you know, uh, think, you know, it can be a resource. Yes, Barbara. I think one of the one of the big things that you said. Um, that I haven't, it's kind of obvious for, it should be obvious for me, but I, I never really thought of this for whatever reason. But so the thing that I want to highlight that you said is the client should be offered multiple types of referrals or aftercare options, like three different PHPs that they can go to three different, you know, step down programs or rehab, not you know if they if the program is focusing on one one spot that's there's probably some unethical stuff going on you're right didn't really haven't really thought of that what that point so much so thank you all right all right yeah yeah good good topic and again for folks out there who are listening uh please email us contact us some way you know you know we'll definitely be helpful anyway to kind of guide you in the right direction get the best help possible uh you know without you know, getting suckered into some of the stuff that's, you know, there, just like any other business, um, you know, we, we want to be, you know, useful and purposeful. So uh, that being said, you know, I, and something else just came before we transition. My God. Something else just came to mind too. Oh God. <laughs> that's not to say either that there's never any unethical stuff that goes on in nonprofits. Because it happens there too, just not even close to the same level. The stuff that goes on, <laughs> right? So I do want to just, even though we didn't spend a lot of time on unethical stuff in nonprofit, because it's not like so prevalent, it's not as prevalent as the private for profits with the money piece to it. Yeah. But there's tons of like other stuff that goes on in nonprofits, I'm sure. But it's just yeah. not at the forefront. So I want to say that too. So. Yeah. Um, all right, so transition music. I got one more thing. I'm just kidding. Oh, God. <laughs> transition music? God, say it again. Say it again. Do it over. Um, Adam, can you play the transition music, please? Uh, 
so this is a segment of the show that we affectionately call the five controversies that uh, I throw out uh, usually two items and we battle out to uh, which one we prefer or which one we believe is better than the other. Uh, and please, uh, you know, uh, we've heard from folks that play, people play at home. So please do so. Uh, write to us which one you enjoy or not enjoy. Um, you know, if you were on the show, which what you would say, uh, you know, love the interaction with our audience. So uh, don't, be shy, don't be bashful. Now, Barbaros, if any of the controversies have to do with private for profit programs or nonprofits, I'm going to drop. OK, <laughs> no, we're not. We're, we're, we're beyond that. Okay. <laughs> so first one, um, you know, it, it, it can get heated, but um, so pets versus no pets. I think we did this one before, Barbaros. I'll just say it. Yeah. I mean, I'm no, my preference is no pets. Any particular reason? I'm just not, I'm just not a pet guy. I'm just not a pet person. Now I've changed quite a bit throughout the years. Um, is, and especially I, I changed almost overnight when my, um, my dog was given away while I was in rehab. Like overnight, I changed and like wanted, like I cared about dogs, you know, mm-hmm. where I wasn't a dog person. But it wasn't until my dog, the dog was just given away without my, you know, and me having any say in it. Mm-hmm. That's when I just all of a sudden started caring about dogs, which is whatever. Yeah. So yeah. I think someday. I'm going to get, you know, when I'm ready, when I can have a plant survive and, <laughs> um, you know, a plant and a goldfish. And then I, I'll get an, a nice little Italian greyhound probably. Mm. Yeah. I, I would say uh, for me, uh, no pets too. Um, you know, a, a part of that answer is that I, in my household growing up, we never had pets. Uh, so it was not something that we're like, I'm comfortable around, you know, my good friends, you know, had pets and stuff like that. And so getting comfortable around like cats and dogs in, in home, that was it. But it, it, even back then as, as like a kid or whatever, it never seemed enjoyable. Like I always like heard or saw like complaining, like you have to take the dog out or change the litter or, you know, vet prices or whatever. I, I was just like, if you, or if you're not having fun with it, why do you have this thing? Like this thing, like, is a being it's a living and you're thinking about it all the time i don't know it just seemed unappealing and um i don't see myself you know getting you know a a pet anytime soon maybe fish might be the most extreme thing that i I will have in my household yeah so (laughs) um you know the um no, I really a ton, a ton to that Friends episode where, like, I think it's Joey. He's embarrassed or he won't tell anyone that he doesn't like dogs. <laughs> Do you remember this? No. no. Anyways, it's, like, a big deal, you know, because people, if people hear, you know, there's some type of, like, stigma related to if people, you know, if someone's not a dog person for some yeah. reason. There's not a good person, you know, which isn't the case, obviously. But there's a whole Friends episode on it. 
Cool. Good, good yeah. plug for friends. Yeah, there you go. All right. <clears throat> Next one. Uh, antiperspirant or deodorant? <clears throat> deodorant. Mm-hmm. Any reasons? No, I don't really. I don't really have one. Yeah. Uh, uh, really suck probably tonight. So probably suck. <laughs> um, you're not I, giving I, me any. You're not giving me anything to get amped up about at all now, huh? Yeah, the the, the, yeah. the next ones are not either. So they're just you know, you, what, what, you did, like. You you knew I would be so fired up that you needed to give like the shittiest, most boring. Um, controversies known to man. It's a happen chance. It's, it's it, just, it was a way. It's just a way to really. Is this a way for to deescalate me from what's going on tonight? Is that why? No, I don't know. I don't, I don't have. I don't put too much thought into, <laughs> into it. Obviously, oh, fuck um, you. <laughs> I, I would say for me, it's always been deodorant. I did do antiperspirant for a little bit of time, um, but I, I don't know. I just, it, it felt weird, and then I obviously get both, but. Uh, I just I, I I I prefer deodorant if it's like not sweating too much like like whatever yeah. a different thing but I'll always prefer you know deodorant over antiperspirant so that was yeah. uh, just uh, my thing so the next one really, third, really exciting really exciting listen to listening to you answer that one God right. next one I mean this is a little outdated but you know back in our day that there were this option and, and now there's different movements. Are going on, you know, state and, and nationally. But yeah. if you are at the grocery store, <laughs> would you do paper versus plastic bags? Yeah, I do paper. Do paper. Yeah. Mm. I feel like it's more, it's, it, they used to be sturdier, I felt like. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Mm. I did. I did paper um, two days ago, or yeah, yesterday morning actually. I did paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the stop and shop I went to. Yeah, you're not interested in the controversy either. Did you just, <laughs> just did you just hear yourself? You, I answered the question. You're like, mm-hmm. it's, it's again, it's a, it's a dated thing because plastic bags are like in, in like I think Jersey they're 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 banned. Like even grocery stores, you can't. There's no plastic bags being given to so bring your own, you know, reusables or paper. Yeah, the store has it. But we, like, I grew up always like plastic bags. I mean, we had tons of like market basket, like plastic bags, like all around the house. You know, God, we used them for like everything. Um, so like, I, 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 I prefer plastic bags only because of the ease of it. But I am more like eco conscious now and so i would definitely do paper like grin and bear it like carry it carefully and then recycle the paper right yeah all right next boring one um showering in the morning or showering at night yeah showering in the morning we did this one by the way too Showering, (laughs) showering in the morning you know we did you know we did that's what Showering in the morning because it helps me start, like, wake up and start the day, you know. I I use it as a way to wake myself up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, what are you? Shower in the morning, same same reasoning, actually. It's, it's a good wake up, good kind of, like, fresh start. Everything's kind of, like, moving. And so I, I've tried, the, like, the night thing, the night shower, 
and I wake, yeah. wake up in the morning, I'm like, I don't, I don't feel like ready to start my day or, or go to work. So definitely yeah. for a, a good shower in the morning. Thank you for answering. Yeah, be yeah. quiet. Um, last boring one <laughs> um, for, for tonight is black versus green tea. Um, green tea. I think it tastes better. Mm. Okay. That's all I got. I um, I I do like both. I lean more towards green tea with like lemon if I'm like not feeling well. I, f- I find it like a little more um, healing. Uh, but I, I traditionally love straight black black tea. Uh, no sugar, nothing mm. added to it. Straight black tea in the morning, good little caffeine kick. Yeah, nice and toasty. Get the, get the day going. I usually Can have I say weekend something? mornings. Can I say something before we we end? Oh, you're you're full of it tonight. Well, yeah, I want to say that there's been plenty of times throughout the past twenty one episodes <laughs> that you had some really shitty controversies, and most of the time, like that when they were really bad. There were like three that were horrible and then two that were like, okay, all right. He kind of redeemed himself a little bit. But this this time, (laughs) here on episode 22, every one of them made me want to jump out the window that's right in front of me. They're that bad. Don't don't do a safety contract on you. You need help. You need to figure out what you're going to do. I know you won't receive help from me because you think all my controversies are not real controversies. Every time I've sent you one, that's not a controversy. That's not a controversy. But that's not a controversy. And I state my case and you continue to say the same thing. Uh-huh. And so however you need to get help with them, because you just got to figure something out. I don't they'll, know. they'll be better in the future. Be quiet. All right. Did you one tonight for a reason? Then, like, what the? They <sighs> just come in order. I don't rearrange them. I save them and I save them, and they go to the bottom of the list, and then the new ones appear. That's how it works. The new ones appear. Well, how does that work when you had three of them tonight that already appeared? Oh, you're, you're, you're mistaken. I'll I'll review the list and and and. and the shower that. one reappeared. The tea one reappeared. And what was the other one that reappeared? Shower. Uh, shower tea. And what were the other ones real quick? Uh, Never mind. It'll be more traumatizing if you tell me. You gotta, don't right. even mention Yeah. All right. That's, that's the show. Thank you all for listening. Please follow us on Spotify podcast, Amazon podcast. Amazon Music Podcast and Apple Podcast. And uh, please reach out to us uh, with any questions, concerns, comments. We'd love to hear from our audience. Uh, please tell a friend and stay tuned for next episode. And please, if you're listening on Spotify, feel free to comment on this episode. Um, let us know what you think. And I think that's all I got. Yes, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. All right. Hey, I'll talk to you February 1st. Okay. Sounds good. I love that. (laughs) Bye.